Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. This Thursday, Missouri Humanities and Harris-Stowe State University will dedicate a Civil War panel on the grounds of the university right near the former site of Mr. John B. Henderson's home. He is the Missouri senator who co-authored the Constitutional Amendment Abolishing Slavery. The panel is titled Long Roads to Freedom, and it also honors others who advance the cause of equal rights. And with me to talk about Senator Henderson and others is Greg Wolk of Missouri Humanities Council. And on the phone, we have Greg Carr of Harris-Stowe State University. Thanks so much for being here today. Glad to be here. Glad to be here also. Thanks for calling in, Greg. You, your, your flight was delayed, but you are now on the ground in Missouri. Is that right? I am on home ground in St. Louis. Glad to be back. <laughs> Terrific. We're happy to have you. So, Greg, Greg Wolk. <laughs> In studio here. If, if anyone knows about Civil War sites in Missouri, I think it's you. You wrote a book cataloging 235 of them. You know where those things are. For a historical panel like this one, how do you go about picking a site and how do you decide whose stories to tell? Uh, this is a program that uh, I'm the executive director of Missouri Civil War Heritage Foundation as well. Uh, this was a program started by that organization and now this will be the first of the signs or the panels that are sponsored by the Missouri Humanities Council. Um, we've been reaching out to people for a long time, uh, and uh, there has to be a combination of interest, uh, some money, uh, although the Humanities Council's pitching in for that now, um, and uh, basically a spot where we can be assured that uh, the sign will be maintained once it's erected. Uh, this will be the 41st panel that's erected under this program, so we've achieved a fair amount of success over the years. And Greg, who, who will be recognized on this panel we're talking about? There's uh, almost too many to mention, but uh, I'm going to let uh, Greg Carr talk about uh, Hiram uh, Reed, uh, but I'm here to talk about uh, John B. Henderson, who you mentioned, uh, his spouse, Mary Foote Henderson, uh, Mary's mother and Mary's father, and uh, then a, a few other people. But okay, and uh, Greg Carr on the on the phone. What what is Harris Stowe's involvement in all this? Well, Harris Stowe's involvement is that the Henderson House and and much of what we talk about with Hiram Reed is near the campus. So so this Midtown area was pretty much a hot spot for the Civil War. So that's that's pretty much our connection, particularly Mr. Hiram Reed, who was a, a Civil War hero, an, an unsung hero, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about more about him in a moment, but he was uh, an enslaved person who received his freedom in St. Louis, right? He did. He, he was uh, enslaved by uh, Miss Harriet Reed, and he worked on a steamboat. He, he's what we would consider not a, a field slave, but a house slave. He was more of a valet uh, and worked with uh, his, his master, his mistress. And then uh, one particular time when he was working on his steamboats, Union uh, forces took over the steamboat, and then they took him into custody, where later on he was emancipated, if you will, which was very rare for Missouri because Missouri was a, a border state mm -hmm. and didn't really have the ability to emancipate its slaves at that time, according to Lincoln. Okay. Well, let's, we'll get more into the details of just how that happened in, in a couple minutes. As, sure. you, as you say, this, this panel is at the site of the home of Senator John B. Henderson, his wife, Mary Foote Henderson. Why do we care about John Henderson? What was his legacy? 
John, John B. Henderson is, well, um, he is also a forgotten hero, I might say. Um, he was a um, uh, Virginian by birth. He moved to uh, Missouri at an early age. His hometown was Louisiana, Missouri, who many have been there, I'm sure, but that's just south of Hannibal. Um, he was appointed to serve out the term of a U.S. senator who uh, decided that he would go south. And as senator, um, John B. Henderson. And when you say go south, <laughs> well, we mean that mm-hmm. senator walked out of the U.S. Senate because he, he refused to take a loyalty oath to the United States of America, right? Well, I think they may have escorted him out. <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> but, you, can't, you can't fire me, I quit. Right? Yes. But, uh, yeah, that was not an uncommon experience. But Missouri's but, senator was actually removed for, due to his, his support for the Confederacy. Correct. And John B. Henderson was appointed to take that seat. Right. And in those days, uh, of course, the senators were appointed by the state legislatures. They were not directly elected. So um, he um, uh, expressed or showed an early uh, interest in some of the uh, ultimate amendments and statutes that we now look back at as um, – uh, anchors of really of our freedoms. And uh, ultimately, uh, he moved back to St. Louis after his term. Uh, his term ended because the legislature wouldn't reappoint him because he was one of seven U.S. senators who voted against the impeachment of, of Andrew Johnson. President Johnson. Yes. And uh, Mr. Henderson did receive honorable mention in uh, John F. Kennedy's book, Profiles of Courage, for yeah. that act. He didn't quite get his own chapter, right? But he was mentioned in someone else's. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, very, very dramatic, dramatic career, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, and during, he just had those seven years in the Senate. Um, and while he was there, he was involved in some pretty major changes to the law. Right? Yes. Tell us about that. Well, he did draft the uh, first uh, uh, draft of the 13th Amendment. That's the one that abolishes slavery. Um, later on, he worked on the 15th Amendment, which was the one that um, uh, has uh, guaranteed the right of, to vote of all citizens and one of certainly our most important uh, amendments. Um, he was also involved. Well, the, well the, just to be clear, the 15th Amendment gave, gave the right to, to black men to vote. Is that correct? Well, it said all citizens. It does say all citizens in the language. Okay. Yes. Okay. By uh, the rights of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Now, John B. Henderson was the lawyer for a woman from St. Louis named uh, Virginia Minor, and he, as lawyer, tested whether or not women should be allowed to vote according to that language. Ultimately, and this was in the 1880s, I believe, uh, the Supreme Court said no. And then ultimately, of course, we know the 19th Amendment uh, finally accomplished that. The, the woman's right to, to vote yeah. federally. Yeah. And state. Yeah. And so, so 15, the 15th Amendment, they were really the, the countries at the point of removing restrictions on the franchise. Correct. Not so much bestowing it universally, but saying, well, you can no longer you can no longer keep someone from voting because they used to be a slave. That's correct. Okay. Let's uh Greg either either of the regs we have here, right? We we have Greg Woke of the Missouri Humanities Council, Greg Carr of Harris Stowe State University. Talk a bit about the political climate in Missouri during this during this era, because I, I understand that that John John B. Henderson uh, 
had something to do with the, the tenor of the state's relationship with some of these complicated issues and that it was a very divided time in this state in particular. Yes, I'll, uh, I'll take that if you like. Um, the, the time that he was in the Senate, um, yes, it was, um, uh, it was after the war. G generally speaking, he entered the, the Senate in, uh, I believe it was 1862, uh, but his, um, his coming forward was occurring in 1865 through 67 when his term ended. And uh, at the time, um, uh, well, I, I might say proudly as a Missourian, uh, Missouri was the first state whose own constitution abolished slavery of the states that had slavery when the Civil War began. And uh, a group uh, politically took control of the state that were called radical Republicans. And John B. Henderson was one of them. So it was a time when um, the, the anti-slavery people uh, held sway pretty much, which was one of the reasons that uh, Henderson's vote in the uh, Johnson impeachment surprised everybody, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, so it was, yeah, it, it was not as turbulent, of course, as the days, the years of the Civil War, but it was, uh, it had its own challenges, let's, in Missouri, let's say. Yeah, and, and John B. Henderson was a very practical politician, as I understand it. Right? He had been a slaveholder yeah. who strongly supported the Union and supported President Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, would you say, was he a, really a man of his time in terms of maybe what we might now call his evolving position on these issues? Well, I, I think he's proof that we human beings can evolve mm. and that uh, uh, let's wait and see how things come out when men of courage step forward. My personal belief is that a lot of his courage had to do with uh, his wife and his wife's family, but um, that's, that's for another time. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, we are talking right now with Greg Woke of Missouri, excuse me, of Missouri Humanities Council and Greg Carr of Harris Stowe University. We're talking about a Civil War panel that will be dedicated on the grounds of Harris Stowe State University on Thursday morning. We'll be back in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And my guests are Greg Woke of Missouri Humanities Council and on the phone, Greg Carr of Harris-Stowe State University. Uh, as we mentioned, John Henderson had a dramatic career, appointed to the Senate at age 35. He took that dramatic vote um, not to convict and, and convict and remove Andrew Johnson, which threw him out of popularity back at home. He later ran for Senate and lost. He ran for the governor of Missouri and lost. But there was one more wrinkle in his public career that's really interested, and that was some call him the first special prosecutor. President Ulysses Grant appointed him to investigate a, a home-brewed uh, <laughs> scandal in St. Louis known as the Whiskey Ring. What was that all about? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate your pun there. But, um, I, yes, um, he was, uh, by the uh, 1870s, and he was living back in St. Louis, at this location, uh, he had become quite a famous attorney. And um, uh, the, he was appointed special prosecutor to help the U.S. attorney here in St. Louis, uh, also a man from Louisiana, Missouri, incidentally, um, to uh, prosecute a bunch of federal agents and those who conspired with them to essentially uh, 
purchase liquor without the federal excise tax being charged. Mm. And there was a whole series of trials, many of them in St. Louis, and ultimately um, Henderson gave a closing argument in one of those cases in which he seemed to have implicated Grant's, um, well, uh, private secretary, we'd probably call him chief of staff now, and uh, Grant fired him. <laughs> so it shows some, uh, I guess, one of the old saying about the more things change, I guess. But, Indeed. Um, but uh, yeah, so, that's so. Grant Grant appointed him to be an outside person, so it wouldn't appear to be a conflict of interest. And then he got a little too close, perhaps. Well, technically, I think somebody else did the appointing. It might have been David Dyer who was the U.S. attorney. But uh, and I, I got to say, in Grant's uh, 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 defense, that ultimately Orville Babcock, his secretary, was acquitted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But uh, yes, he was. Uh, he touched a nerve there. Apparently, John did. Uh, well, during his seven years in the Senate, John Henderson um, consulted privately with Lincoln quite a bit about how to achieve emancipation, exactly what that would look like. And one of one of the forerunners to the Emancipation Proclamation was something called the Fremont Proclamation. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. Um, Greg Greg Carr of Harris Stowe State University, can you tell us a bit about the the Fremont Pro- Proclamation and what that meant here? Well, uh, like as you said before, it's it was a precursor to the Emancipation Proclamation because Missouri had its own version of it. And getting back to how we related back to Mr. Reed, uh, we're looking at more of a, a military order as opposed to um, a political maneuver, which didn't make uh, President Lincoln very happy. Uh, in, in fact, uh, Lincoln didn't like it because he was afraid it would kind of shake up the the loyalist states, the, the border states of Missouri, Kentucky, and Maryland, because maybe they would get some ideas, and uh, eventually he, he rescinded this what, order. What was, it, what was it that General Fremont uh, proclaimed? What was the substance of this? Well, he was basically making a military claim that slaves were free. <laughs> he was trying to make it a military act as opposed to uh, a federal act, and, and I don't think Lincoln wanted that particularly for Missouri because it would upset uh, the, the rest of the, the border states. Interesting. And, in fact, did Lincoln, did, were, many, were many slaves, uh, many enslaved people, did they achieve their freedom through this proclamation? Only a small group, only a small handful of, of, Mr., of Mr. Reed was a part of that, uh, that, that group, because it, it, was, it was dangerous political times at that time, because there were many... People, if you know about the wonderful history of uh, Missouri, there are quite a few people who are loyal to the Confederacy. And there was a lot of uh, infighting, even in Missouri, because Missouri was divided. And, and I even look at uh, an individual such as uh, Playborn Fox Jackson, who was the, the secessionist governor. He was actually calling uh, for um, troops to be fought against the Union troops. He did not want the Union troops there. And I think eventually... And and I, I call him my other Greg. If I'm not correct, wasn't Claiborne Fox run out of Missouri and into Arkansas as the governor? Yeah, there's a uh, army that uh, chased him and the government out of Jefferson City. Yes, yeah. I love expert fact checking at this level. This is great. <laughs> so so Hiram Reed, do we know much about his life after uh, he was emancipated? Well, Hiram went to eventually settled in Nantucket, Massachusetts, but he did see action 
in the war, and in fact, he's he's credited with being at the fall of Richmond in in Virginia, and and later on in his life, I think at the the 50th anniversary of the Grand Army of the Republic, he's one of two black men in this photo of retired uh, Union veterans. Hmm. So he he seemed to have settled into a nice life in Nantucket, settled down, married, and eventually died there, and and he's he's still there. Now, as some, he's, one of, he's one of ours. Yeah. Well, as someone who had been enslaved, uh, received his freedom during the war, and joined the Union forces, was that an unusual thing to do? That, that was unusual, and merely because, and I always like to relate them back to to my first group of individuals, 62nd and 65th, many of them who went to what's now a fairground park was known as Benton Barracks. They would receive a quote-unquote emancipation if they were enslaved, if they ran away from their slave masters, and they would join the Union Army. They would more or less become emancipated by becoming a part of the Union Army, and I see the Hiram Reed was very similar to that. Hmm. And he gained his emancipation by joining the Union Army. And by the end of the war, I think um, the the Union ranks were really swelled with 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 former slaves, right? One hundred eighty thousand. One hundred eighty thousand. Okay. Yes, very very large contingency. All right. Well, to remind everyone um, what exactly is happening this week, we're talking about a panel that is going to not have all of this information, but a good primer that can send people to find more info if they want. But that is happening at Harristow Historical, excuse me, it is known as the Harristow Historical Marker Unveiling and Presentation. That is happening Thursday morning at 10 a.m. So, folks, if if you haven't yet committed to a historical panel unveiling Thursday morning, do consider this one. It'll be a good one. And may I make a statement about we're going to, out of fear of the weather, uh, it's going to be moved inside. Uh, You can enter the campus off of... um, um, Oh, the other Greg, help me. Uh, uh, I'm thinking that too. Boy. Uh, <laughs> well, we will we will have a link um, on oh, uh, yeah. St. Louis on the air uh, webpage on st- stlpublicradio.org. We'll have links to all the info people need if they want to go out and check this okay. out Thursday morning. But if you don't happen to, and it is open to the public, right? It's a, it's oh, a, absolutely, yeah. and it's free, and it's at the Bank of America Theater in the Emerson Performance Center. Okay. Yes. Off and, of Compton. And if <laughs> folks, yeah, you know. And if folks can't get there live, um, the whole point of this panel is you can go up and look at it anytime you want and, and, and consider yeah. the history that happened yeah. in and around that site. Very um, much so. We have been speaking today with Greg Woke of the Missouri Humanities Council and Greg Carr of Harris Stowe State University. They're unveiling a historic panel on the campus of that school on Thursday morning. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.